Tiny Tina and the Terrible Trouble by G. Michael Smith Part 3 of 3 Chapter 10 Peter and Rumor Number 3 The first class was language arts. Spelling was boring. One of the boys got zero on his quiz. Tina didn't understand how anyone could not spell even the simplest of words. She considered starting a new rumour that this kid was dyslexic or something or other. She had heard the word before but couldn't remember exactly how to pronounce it. She knew it meant that the person who had it had problems with learning. But if she didn't know the meaning, she was sure that none of the other kids would. She dismissed it. Creative writing was next. She considered her character. She wanted to call her Super Tall Teresa. She figured that tall people got more respect than little people. SST were cool initials. SST stood above the crowd and could see over everyone's head. When someone was being teased, she would come to their rescue and make the bad people apologize. All she needed now was a nemesis. Every superhero had a nemesis, someone that tried to stop them from doing good deeds. She looked up at all her classmates. Her mind went to the possibility that she might start a new rumor and then rescue that person. She had tried twice, but it had not worked. Her father used to say, third time's the charm. He meant that if you failed two times, you might have learned what you did wrong and would be successful the third time. She wanted to put that to the test. She saw the big kid at the back of the room. He just joined her class two weeks ago. She could not remember his name. He was sitting at a desk that was at least two sizes too small. Under his desk there was a pile of sand that had fallen off his huge sneakers. The sneakers had a hole in the sole. She could see it because his legs were sticking straight out in front of his desk. He was drawing intently on his storyboard paper. Suddenly Tina got an idea. She pretended to break her pencil and stood up. The pencil sharpener was right behind the big kid. She walked to the back of the class, taking a detour, so that she would go past his desk. When she got to the pencil sharpener, she looked over his shoulder to see if she could read his name on the paper. It was Peter. Her eyes fell to his drawings. She sucked in her breath. It was simply beautiful. On his storyboard were drawings of a grotesque creature with a whole bunch of tiny fairies flying around him. Each fairy was delivering something to the creature. Even though the creature was ugly, the whole scene was happy. The boy turned around and stared at her. He quickly put his arms over his artwork in an effort to hide it. Tina looked at him and said, Sorry, I didn't mean to look. It's just that your drawing is fantastic. The boy did not move his arm. Thanks, he said. The teacher looked up at Tina and spoke. 
Tina, please sharpen your pencil and sit down. Yes, ma'am, said Tina. She finished and returned to her seat. She slipped into her desk. Her feet did not reach the floor, and she locked her ankles and swung them back and forth. She flipped open her pencil box, and there sat L.T. and B.T. at opposite ends of the box. B.T. was picking his teeth with one of her pencil crayons. They both waved at her. Hey, Tina, what you got planned? You gonna start a cool rumor about Peter? asked B.T. I know, I know, called Little T. You could say that his parents are homeless, or his mum's in jail, or, 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 his feet smell so bad that all the rats have moved out of his house. Those are stupid ideas. How about he got kicked out of his old school because he was a thief, or he starts fights, or shouted B.T. Tina looked at them both and slowly shut the lid to her pencil box. The two brothers kept arguing inside the box. Tina turned around and looked at Peter. She decided she did not like tall people. They got all the talent. She wished she could draw like him. She looked down at her storyboard drawings. She slowly drew a big X through her latest sketch. After school, her mother was waiting for her in the parking lot. She climbed into the car and sat quietly. "'What's the matter, dear?' asked her mother. She reached over and touched her forehead. "'I don't feel well,' said Tina. She had a headache, and her bones seemed to be aching. I heard all over. Oh, it's probably the medication. The doctor said you might not feel well for a few days. Somatropin. What? asked her mother. That's what the medication is called. That's the stuff that's supposed to make me grow. What's making me feel sick? Her mother patted Tina on the head. I know, dear. The doctor said it will ease in a few days. You're just going to have to suffer through. The needles hurt. I know. I'll try to be quick with tonight's shot. Where would you like me to inject it? My arm hurts from the last shot. How about the thigh? Or your bum? Tina turned and glared at her mother. You're not going to jab me in the bum. Okay, dear, said her mother. The rest of the trip home was silent. Tina walked up to her room and plopped down on her bed. She felt horrible. She was expecting the trouble boys to show up. But they did not show themselves. She needed someone to talk to, and right now even they would do. She felt tired and fell asleep. Chapter 11. Terrible Trouble Tina woke the next morning feeling a little better. She plunked herself down at the breakfast table. Both of her parents were sitting drinking coffee. Her mother asked, What would you like for breakfast this morning, sweetie? Tina looked up and said, I would like some cinnamon toast. Coming right up, said her father, and he got up to put some bread in the toaster. 
I made you a special lunch, said her mother. I put some cheese, yogurt, and some slices of fruit. I also gave you two of your favorite granola bars and two apple juice, one for recess and one for lunch. Thanks, Mom. I also want you to know that I had to give you your shot last night while you were sleeping. Tina stood up quickly and felt her behind. You didn't give me a shot in my bum, did you? No, I didn't. I used your left arm. We'll go back and forth between arms. Tina sat down again, and her father set the cinnamon toast in front of her. She ate it in silence while her parents watched with a concerned look on their faces. Tina left all the crusts on her plate and was expecting to be told to eat them, but no one said anything. I feel sort of okay, but I might get sick later. I have gym today. Would you please write me a note so I can be excused? Her mother's expression told Tina she was not going to write the note. Dad? asked Tina. He did not look at her mother. His response was quick. Sure, sweetie, he said. Run and get me some paper and a pen. Tina got up and ran out of the room. She knew her mother would be telling her father that he should have consulted with her before agreeing to the note. She didn't care. They couldn't go back on it now. She would not have to take Jim. She cheered silently in her head. Her mother dropped her off at school a little early. None of her friends had arrived yet. She headed into the class. It was empty. She put books on her desk and walked into the cloakroom to hang her coat and pack on her hook. It was cold in the cloakroom. At the far end was a stack of three totes that contained the class playground equipment. There was a rustle from the back of the long room. Tina turned and looked. Then she heard something speak. Hello, Tina, said a voice that was deep but with a menacing lilt. We haven't met, but I know a lot about you. Tina took a step backwards. The voice seemed to reverberate and echo in the narrow room. Who are you? she asked meekly, and then with more confidence. Where are you? Show yourself. Oh, in good time, my dear. Showing myself can be a little, um, how should I say this? Yes, my presence can frighten young children like yourself. I don't frighten easily, asserted Tina. Are you sure? Once you see me, there will be no going back. I have been known to haunt the dreams of little children. I'm not a little baby. You look pretty little to me. I'm small. I'm not little. There's a difference, you know. No, I didn't. Well, now you do. Show yourself. All right. I'll start slow. From behind the pile of totes, 
a tail snaked out. It was like a huge rat tail with a hot pink and black stripes. It moved up and down the side of the totes as if it were caressing them. Then huge fingers with turquoise nails gripped the third tote. The fingers drummed on the side of the tote. The sound pounded in Tina's head. Are you sure? There was a pause. Y yes, I am, said Tina, even though she was far from sure. From the top tote, a couple of spikes appeared. They were black and glowed hot pink and turquoise. The spikes rose higher and higher until Tina realized they were not spikes. They were horns. The tail suddenly slithered up and wrapped itself around one of the horns. It tightened and seemed to pull the head they were attached to from behind the tote. When the face appeared, Tina sucked in her breath and stepped backwards. Hello, Tina. Tina's hand was in her mouth. She was chewing her knuckle. This was a true monster. The face had six eyes pointy ears, a hole for a nose, and a gigantic mouth filled with teeth, all in varying shades of black, pink, and turquoise. Who are you? she asked. The creature breathed in air and made a sound that was like sucking the dregs of a soda through a straw. That was followed by a low chuckle. I'm terrible trouble, but you can call me T.T. My brothers told me about you. They said it was time you met me. I think we're going to have great fun together. I will explore the possibilities for a really nasty rumor we can start. I am especially good at nasty. Tina heard the sound of the bus and then the kids arriving. She turned away for a second. When she turned back, T.T. was gone. She left the cloakroom. She heard a voice in her head. Later, alligator. <laughs> Tina could not help herself. In a while, Crocodile jumped into her head. She had already decided that T.T. didn't act all that scary. He just looked scary. He looked very scary. And she had not even seen all of him yet. Chapter 12 The Peepee Girl Tina spent the rest of the school day thinking about rumors and the teasing they often caused. She really wanted to be viewed as the hero, the savior, the good guy who came to the rescue of those in need. She needed to find someone who she could start a rumor about. Her thoughts kept coming back to Peter. It would be easy to start a rumor about him. 
There were lots of possibilities. He was new to the class, and nobody really knew much about him, including her. If she was to come to his rescue, she would have to know some truth. He was a great artist, that was for sure. What she saw of his drawings convinced her of that. She considered graffiti. She could do some scribbling on a wall somewhere or some nasty words. She could climb up on a chair in the cloakroom and use pencil crayons. It would look like the work of a tall person, like Peter. But how could she rescue him without telling everyone that she was responsible? That was no good. During gym, she got to go to the library. Her mother had phoned the teacher, telling her about the medication Tina was taking. Tina figured she could now get out of gym any time she wanted. No gym for the rest of the year, yeah, she thought. She plopped down on the library couch and thought about each of the kids in her class who might work as someone she could easily make something up about. She was alone except for the library aide. She tapped her fingers on the book she had grabbed but had not yet opened. She stopped her fingers, but the tapping continued. She looked up, and there was T.T. standing in front of a shelf of books, tapping his long fingers on the table in front of him and clicking the tips of his horns together. He was ugly, with black scaly skin and long spiky hair sticking out all over his body. He had a mouthful of nasty-looking teeth and six pink and turquoise eyes. Tina stared at him, unsure which set of eyes were actually looking back at her. You have to come up with something, he hissed, licking his teeth with a big blue tongue. Go away. This is none of your business. Au contraire, mon chéri, he spoke. He poked one of his fingers in one of his ears and looked at what he had pulled out. That's French, in case you didn't know. He wiped whatever was on his finger onto the book open on the table in front of him. I know it's French, and I'm not your love. Please go away. I'm here to help, but you already know that. You created me and my brothers, and we must serve you, even if you decide you want us gone. You see, we know the true you, and the true you wants some help, coming up with a really nasty rumor, so that you can get that citizenship award you desire. I've changed my mind. Now go. He untangled his rat tail that had curled up and was picking something from between his teeth. The tail began to flick back and forth as he pushed himself upright. Once standing, he hissed at her and started to move toward her. For the first time, Tina felt like these monsters were to be feared. She was afraid. Go! she shouted. For added effect, she threw the book that was sitting in her lap. It landed on the floor in the empty space where T.T. had been standing. He had disappeared. 
Tina heard the library aides stand up and come toward her. What happened, Tina? she asked. She looked at the book open on the floor. I'm sorry. I thought there was a big spider on the book and I just tossed it. The library aide seemed to relate to her reaction and immediately forgave her for throwing the book. I hate spiders too. She walked over and very carefully picked up the book, inspecting every part for the spider. It seems to be gone. Here. She handed the book back to Tina and returned to her desk. Tina looked at the clock. It was nearly lunchtime. She headed back to her class. She grabbed her lunch and sat on the sofa. She would save it so all her girlfriends could join her. She took out a cup of apple juice and tore back the foil top. She set the cup on the arm of the sofa. She opened her lunch and set out everything on the low table in front of her. She stopped and listened to the announcements. Everyone would be back in a few minutes. She looked up and waited. Her thoughts went to the rumor she wanted to start. She was reconsidering. Maybe it wasn't such a good idea after all. Psst, said a voice. Tina turned and there was a very small version of T.T. standing beside the sofa. Not you again. Yeah, I got a great idea. Want to hear? No, go away. I know you want to hear, so I'm going to tell you anyway. T.T. was irritated. He grew to full size and his tail whipped around. He was trying to scratch his navel, but his tail hit something on the arm of the sofa. It hit the cup of apple juice and dumped the whole thing into Tina's lap. Titi's mouth quickly shut and he vanished. She jumped up, but it was too late. Her entire lap was covered with apple juice. At that moment, the rest of the class came back from Jim. The first person to enter was Billy. There were three more boys behind him. He was racing to get to the sofa. He stared at Tina, who was standing with her hands open in front of her, in complete dismay. You can't take the sofa if... He stopped and stared right at the wet spot on her dress. By then, the three following boys had formed a line beside him. They were all staring at the wet spot on Tina's dress. Look, everyone, Tina Peter Pants, said Brian. <laughs> Tina tinkled. She's a little pee-pee girl, said David. Tina tinkled in her pants. Look, she peed all over the sofa. I'm never sitting there again, said Billy. All the kids that followed stopped and pointed and laughed and made a comment about the wet spot on her dress. Tina felt tears well up. She started to speak. It's not. I didn't. It was an accident. Everyone continued to laugh and point at her until Peter came in. He pushed his way through the crowd and looked at Tina. He looked at the sofa. He went over to the cup that was overturned on the sofa seat. It said apple juice on the front. He stood in front of Tina and held it up. Shut up, you guys, he commanded. 
She spilled some juice. You were all being mean. It could just as easily have happened to you. A group of girls came in, followed by the teacher. They had heard the ruckus and Peter's speech. Sarah ran to get some paper towels and helped Tina clean up. They took her to the washroom. Tina's eyes were now filled with tears. She followed Sarah and changed into her gym shorts. Later, on the playground, Tina felt everyone was still making fun of her. A group of boys walked up to her. She felt the urge to run away and hide. She stared at the ground. We're really sorry, said Billy. Yeah, we're sorry for teasing you, Tina, said David. All the other boys nodded their heads in agreement. Tina looked up. Behind the boys, she could see Peter standing on the top of the slide, staring down at them. He waved at her. She smiled back. Chapter 13 The Terribles Are Gone Forever Tina was the centre of attention for the remainder of the day. All of her girlfriends tried to make her feel better. When she got home, she went up to her room and sat on her bed. She waited. She waited for the Terribles to show up. She wanted to tell them they were wrong. She wanted to tell them she was wrong. She waited, but no Terribles appeared. She even called out for them. Hey, LT! BT! She did not call TT. She could say what she wanted to say to the others. They were not as scary as TT. None of the nasty monsters appeared. In a way, she was really glad, for she finally understood that she was in control. The monsters were really just something she had made up. They were mean and nasty. Did that mean she was mean and nasty? She hoped not. She thought of Peter and what he had done for her. He didn't have to come to her rescue, but he did. She decided she would vote for him when it came time to choose the Citizenship Award. He deserved it. She didn't. She slid off her bed and went into the kitchen. Her mum was drinking coffee and checking her mail on her phone. Hi, Tina. I just got a message from your teacher. She said you spilled some apple juice on your dress and some kids were teasing you. Ah, no biggie, mum, she said. I was upset at first. They called me Tiny Tinkling Tina. There were other kids that were nice, though. I think I'm okay now. Good. There's my tough little girl, she said, and smiled. I've just come down from my shot. I really don't want to be little anymore. Introductory music is titled Ride to the City by Excel Music Publishing.
Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.